Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Good morning. Time for your Mediated Conversation this Tuesday morning. So, let me ask you a question. How are you doing at the moment? I mean, how are you feeling about your present and about your future? And what I mean is, if you remember 2019, you probably had an idea of what you'd be doing right now in 2023. And I think it's likely that your life, my life, all of our lives, the lives of the three people I'm looking at right now, their lives are probably worse than you thought it would be. So, for example, there's a lot of evidence that almost everyone has lost 10% of their income in the last year. Food prices are incredible. Load shedding is crippling. You heard what life is like in Hungary at the moment just a little while ago. Life is, life is scary at the moment. This has a huge impact on you and on everyone around you. So then, what are the consequences of this? There's the way you feel, the stress, uh, the hurt, sometimes and I really mean this, I think the fear. We learned this morning that nearly 40% of people expect their lives to get worse in the next five years. And then there's also what people do to try and just get them through the day. For example, I think there's a higher risk of people turning to alcohol and other things at the moment. So at the, t- the same time, you're desperately clinging to your job, the income that you have, or trying to get a better one. This is your mediated conversation this morning. Firstly, the impact that all of this has on you. We'll start with Dr. Laverne Montanay, a psychiatrist at Tabula Rasa Wellness. Then, how you manage yourself at work during a time like this. Fumila Mswelli is the CEO of Hesed Consulting and a career coach. And then avoiding the pitfalls of things like alcohol, Nikolaus Bauer is the campaign manager for alcohol harm reduction at the DG Murray Trust. We start then with the psychiatrist, Dr. Laverne Montanay. Dr. Montanay, good morning and thank you for your time. Good morning, Stephen, and good morning to all the listeners as well. The stress of our troubled times. There was a time, I think, uh, for a long time we thought life would get better. The last four years it's just got worse. What impact does that have? I think, I mean, you rightfully say that, you know, there have been all these extra layers that we didn't have to deal with before. And and this becomes a challenge for, for a lot of people that, that probably didn't have psychiatric illness or mental illness even before or just maybe had a vulnerability, and now this vulnerability is exposed. You mentioned alcohol abuse. I think we're seeing definitely an increase there. South Africa is one of the top countries in the world, actually number two currently, if you look at some of the surveys, in terms, just in general, in terms of alcohol misuse. Um, Russia only beats us, so um, that, that's a concern just in terms of the drinking culture that we have in South Africa. I think there's also an expectation from employers that, that we see um, that people should just work all hours. Um, I see that in my practice frequently where people are expected to work all hours, after hours, take work home, uh, you know, working over weekends, public holidays, and that has an impact on people. Um, I think if people can have a look in terms of changes that happen in their life, if you all of a sudden start struggling to sleep properly, um, if, if you are drinking more, the, a very good guideline is, is looking at units. A unit is a can of beer, a three, four mils of beer, a tot of whichever uh, spirit, and then a glass of wine, 125 mils of wine, which is half a cup. So, so not more than two to three units in a 24-hour period. And if you start increasing that amount, that, that would be a concern. Also, if you're drinking for the wrong reasons, if you start drinking to sleep better or if you're drinking to, to relax and de-stress, that would be a concern. Um, changes in behavior is, is, is a good indicator for us that things are not going well. And if you see that you're struggling with your functioning, your memory, your concentration, 
that's also something to take into consideration. Um, I think there's several elements to it. So, you know, I expect as an adult, I expect to be stressed and I have no problem with that. I'm not going to argue with that. I think for many people at the moment, there's so many different elements to it. So you're worried about keeping your job. I think that's a big thing. You're probably also caring for more people than you did in the past. So there's a sort of financial aspect. And then there's the aspect of, you know, the fear of crime, that all of this could be taken from you, that you could lose more people coming out of the pandemic. And what I'm talking about is a series of problems that pile on top of each other. So the loss of the pandemic, which I don't think we've discussed nearly enough, and I don't know if we ever will, I'm afraid. Uh, the financial problems of the moment, the fear of violent crime. So it's not just one or two things, which I expect as an adult. It's all of these things on top of each other. And by that, I sometimes think it means that it's all of these things on top of me, on top of you, on top of everyone. And indeed, I didn't see it. I think you, you mentioned there's many layers. And I think that we would normally take in our stride now. You have to plan around load shedding. You have to plan your timing. Uh, you have to be not be on the road. You have to be on the road in specific times. You have to be able to do your work in specific times. Um, and not, I think there's just so many extra layers that, that added here that we would ably negotiate normally before because they weren't there. And now we have to start thinking of things that was actually an automatic process uh, that adds extra uh, con components. You're very right in terms of the, the impact of the pandemic. Uh, every time, you know, when we have workshops and congresses and, and roundtables, we, we say, okay, we think we've now reached the, the top of the fallout in terms of what, what we see happens with the pandemic. And then it just raises one notch up, you know, more fallout, physical, mental health fallout, actual uh, physical of, of COVID um, and also the, the massive impact it has on people's jobs and financial implications. Is there a feeling sometimes of not being in control? And I think, I mean, so many people say this to me about load shedding. They feel they're not in control of their own lives because of load shedding. And, and I mean, it sounds sometimes a bit silly, but it's actually entirely correct. You're not in charge of when you uh, can do what you used to do. You're not in charge of when you can be productive anymore. No, entire, entirely so. And I, I think then people need to start take control of the things that they are in control of. So, so you can control when you would exercise, and exercise is a big difference in people's mental health and people's wellness in general. Um, you, can, you can be in control when you spend time with your family and then control the things that you can control because you are absolutely right that there's a lot of things extra that is now out of our control. But the way around that is to find things that you have control over. I think, unfortunately, this is where things like alcohol comes in, where you f it gives you the false sense that you have control in that moment or you feel relaxed in that moment. But unfortunately, alcohol isn't present. Alcohol itself can lead to, to medical uh, and physical harm. Um, so, so that is where the feeling of control comes back with the alcohol, but it's all temporary and it's all false. I think one of the problems is that it can feel there's no end to this. Now, if there's an end to a problem, you know, then that helps. But I think that, you know, there's the surprise of this is how tough things are now and the feeling that there's no end to it. Does that make it worse? Um, I do think that, that people struggle to, to find a solution. There's, there, I think part of not feeling that there's an end to it is that there's also a feeling that there's not necessarily a solution to, to all of this. Um, and then again, come back to your own life, you know, find find small things where, where you can find solutions in your life, find things that, that is meaningful for you to do differently and focus on the things that are meaningful, time with your family, relaxation time, and those things are meaningful. It's not, it, yes, the job is important and you have to pay the bills, 
but that's not the thing that's going to give you meaning and value in your life. And, and South Africans, I think this is, this is our curse and our blessing, are quite resilient. Um, but, but unfortunately, you know, we always make a plan. But unfortunately, always making a plan means that we also don't necessarily look after ourselves. We make plans for other people. Start making a plan for yourself and find a way to be resilient in your own life. Are you finding more people are asking for help? More people simply need help to get through? Uh, definitely so. Uh, I mean, we, we speak about this with our colleagues all the time. We, we are seeing an enormous influx in the mental health field in people that are asking for help. But that's a good thing. It's a good thing that people are asking for help because at least they're acknowledging that they're struggling. Thank you very much indeed. Dr. Laverne Mountenay is a psychiatrist at Tobula Rasa Wellness. You were there, SAFM. It's 17 minutes now to nine. Continuing your mediated conversation around getting through the tough time that we're in. Vumile Msweli is the CEO of Hesed Consulting and a career coach. Vumile, good morning. Good morning, good morning, Steve. Good morning to your listeners. If you're feeling like this, how do you manage yourself at work? How do you cope at work? You know, it's a very tricky one, Stephen, because some um, some employers have been kind enough to have employee assistance programs, so they literally give you the support structures to help to help you, uh, you know, with, with, with the challenges you are currently facing. But often, if you're in the space where you're really abusing alcohol, you it's starting to creep into your work. Um, it's starting to creep into a space where you can no longer, you know, differentiate, okay, it's after hours, I can enjoy my glass of wine after hours, but even trying to manage through the, the day and anxiety and the pressure, you're going to start abusing during working hours. So it's hard to differentiate and say it's not going to impact my work because in essence, it will impact your work. You know, in South Africa, 17.5 million people are consuming alcohol. At least 23% of all South African employees have an alcohol problem. So it's definitely something that's quite prevalent in our society. Um, Should you, if you're finding it tough to get through the day, should you tell your boss? Should you tell people at work or should you hide it from them? I think the culture of your employer will determine, um, you know, what it is that you can actually say. So if you are in the space where, of course, you are doing life and death surgery, and it could, in essence, cost you your life, I think it's um, it's a, a life. I think it's very important and imperative that you do say. So. If you're in the space where you can leverage employee wellness programs and assistant programs, leverage that before having the conversation with your boss. Um, the culture could be that if you um, say anything to your boss, it could immediately, you know, result in you your employment, which shouldn't be the case, but it is possible. We can never know um, the, the, the specific policies that are applied within the organization. But technically speaking, in South Africa, it, um, alcohol is seen as a disability. So technically speaking, you shouldn't be facing that. But um, I can never speak to individual um, organization policies. Um, I, I suppose, I mean, there are a couple of ways of looking at it. Wrong, it's probably a bad idea to hide anything from your boss if you're battling to get through the day. On the other, you don't always know how they're going to respond. No, you don't. So for me, it's really about getting the assistance first. So for me, it's about what is in place that I can leverage which um, also potentially could will not damage my reputation. So you are, if you are in a space where you are battling with alcohol and you work through it and you are able to, to recover, it could impact your reputation in the future if the whole team is now aware of the challenge that you, um, you face historically. And that trust might never really be re- as it once was. So for me, it's a very, very tricky line of, yes, the top you will support you in managing the challenge, but also thinking what happens post you conquering the challenge. 
Um, so, I sometimes wonder if it helps to concentrate on what you're doing. Do your job, focus on your job, and it can actually make you feel a little bit better. Is that a strange thing to say? I've sometimes found in moments of stress to actually sit down and do some work makes me feel a bit better. Um, it's not like that for everyone. Some people use their work as an essence um, of escape. Uh, some people find it a little bit trickier to do that, where the work is the source of their challenge um, and the source of their stress and anxiety. So if, you're, if, you're, if work is what you're trying to escape from, trying to escape into it might actually make your situation a little bit worse. And making sure you keep your job. I mean, wherever I look at the moment, there's some article claiming artificial intelligence is coming from my, coming from my job. Just to be clear, a computer can have it from my cold, dead hands. I mean, during a time like this, how can you stop yourself stressing about things like that? I think just keeping your job is what's stressing people out. I think that's a very valid stress. You know, we are in a space in South Africa um, where, in essence, uh, a lot of people have lost their jobs. Like you mentioned COVID, like you mentioned uh, what our economy is looking like. So it is a very real stress. And, of course, of how uh, inflation is impacting everything. So that. All right, Vermina, we're, we're beginning to lose you on that line. I don't know if you're able to move around for us so that we can hear you properly. I'm sorry, my apologies. I hope you can hear me. Yeah, that's a lot better. Um, I was asking you about how you make sure that you keep that make sure that you keep your job, and within all of that is how bosses should manage this as well. They need to manage workers who are in a very difficult position. Yeah, so I think from an employee perspective, the economy is really the job is really really challenging. It is a real fear that must have to face every single day. From an employer perspective, unfortunately, bosses don't have the mandate to guarantee and say, you're definitely going to be employed next week. But your performance will make sure that if there were retrenchments, you potentially could not lose it because of the value that you're able to bring. So keeping that top of mind about the value you're able to bring, um, I think should help should help position you should retrenchments be coming your way. Vumile Msweli, thank you very much indeed. The CEO of Hesed Consulting and a career coach. Sorry about the uh, sound on that line. In a moment, how you avoid the pitfall of falling into alcohol during these difficult times? I think lots of people are sort of battling with all of these issues at the moment. We'll speak to Nikolaus Bauer, campaign manager for alcohol harm reduction at the DG Murray Trust. That's next. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Continuing your Mediated Conversation this morning, the tough times we live in, how do you avoid some of the pitfalls? Nikolaus Bauer is the Campaign Manager for Alcohol Harm Reduction at the DG Murray Trust. Nikolaus, good morning. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much for the time and opportunity, Stephen. I really appreciate it. We're a society where a large number of people sometimes drink quite a lot of alcohol. During times like these, I wonder if that consumption is going up. The more stressed we are, perhaps the more we drink. Uh, you know, local and international research does point to the fact when that there is socioeconomic pressure on a society, substance abuse does unfortunately increase. But uh, I think we need to be very clear. You know, South Africa, in as much as we have a problem with uh, uh, binge drinking and heavy drinking, not all South Africans do partake in alcohol. It's actually only a third. But the, the worrying part is that out of that uh, third of the population, half um, drink to, to such an extent that we've got the fifth highest consumption rate in the world and that's extremely worrying you know anything uh, when it comes to binge drinking and heavy drinking that's more than five uh, drinks in one sitting 
um, really does not only affect your, your physical health, but your mental health as well. And it's something that we do indeed need to worry about during these extremely tough times. Uh, you know, all sorts of research coming out saying that uh, a lot of South Africans think that the country is going in the wrong direction. And unfortunately, many turning to the bottle or other substances to try and just get through it. Um, it's one thing, and I know that uh, we've often been a nation of weekend drinkers. The problem, of course, comes when people think, well, the weekend starts on Thursday and then the weekend starts on Wednesday. I mean, there's a very dangerous rabbit hole that it can be quite easy to go down. Well, indeed. Uh, I'm sure, Stephen, you've heard of phrases like Puzza Thursday or Wacky Wednesday. Really, any excuse to, to get festive. And I think that, you know, that is, to a large extent, uh, part of South African, South African culture. You know, um, other things like beer, braai, shish and yama, enjoying it with a cold one. Uh, you know, it's part of how we unwind. Um, but that doesn't mean we need to normalize it to the fact that, uh, you know, people are, uh, are heavy and binge drinking, using alcohol, uh, to such an extent that it affects them uh, emotionally and physically. How? What do we need to be aware of? How do we know if there's a problem? Well, if you're drinking more than five drinks in one sitting at any given point in time, you need to uh, uh, admit to yourself that that's, look, that's heavy drinking. Uh, I've had many conversations with uh, uh, the various South African family members, the colleagues, friends, yeah, but, you know, my limit's different to the actual limit and I can handle my booze. Well, the fact of the matter is, if you are drinking anything more than five units of alcohol in one sitting, you are binge drinking. Uh, and that, that's something that you need to not only take cognizance of, but you also need to, to try and temper that as well. And, you know, we're not advocating for uh, there to be a, a rerun of, uh, of lockdown where alcohol sales were, um, uh, were halted. But what we, we, we are seeing, unfortunately, is that, you know, if you look at it internationally, South Africa, comparatively, our, our alcohol is extremely cheap. It's freely available. It's unfortunately sold in the illicit market in bundles. Uh, and it needs to go beyond not only a, a personal commitment um, for people to maybe, you know, be proactive about taking responsibility in their lives and understanding their harmful effects of alcohol. And most importantly, when to seek our treatment um, when necessary. But also government and indeed the private sector also need to play their role, Stephen. Well, I mean, the private sector is a big player in the alcohol market, isn't it? I mean, do you think that the alcohol industry has a bigger responsibility to try and uh, curb some of this abuse? Uh, indeed, Stephen. But unfortunately, you know, there is the, the, the cost incentive there, right? I mean, at the end of the day, the alcohol business is a business at, uh, at the end of the day like any other. And, and this was the argument that we heard when we had the severe lockdowns and, uh, and alcohol sales being, being seized completely by the national government. What happened? It just went underground. Um, and also, you know, the argument coming from uh, the alcohol industry is that oh, this threatens jobs. This is going to severely curtail uh, our, uh, you know, our, our um, combination of economic growth in, in the South African economy. Um, but if you look at studies, uh, just from, from a health point of view, 2014, there was a, sh- a study that showed that 277 billion rand annually is spent on health issues related uh, to, to alcohol and other social costs and, and economic costs like lost productivity. You adjust that to inflation to today, and that's 433 billion rand. Uh, now, it, it seems like a no-brainer to me, Stephen, if you are going to have that amount of money essentially being being wasted where it shouldn't be with the harmful effects of, of overindulging on alcohol. Surely something needs to be done. I mean, one legislative uh, uh, lever that the government can definitely look at using 
is the Liquor Amendment Bill, which has unfortunately been kind of in purgatory since 2016. Um, it is now being reviewed by the National Assembly and gone back to the various committees, trade and industry and the like. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, until we get a little bit more strict with our legislation, uh, you know, private and uh, indeed civil society, private industry and civil society, we operate in, in, in the framework in which we find ourselves. Uh, and, you know, there's been examples elsewhere in the world. Take Russia, for example. They got stricter on legislation around the late 90s and early 2000s. When uh, in some instances in, in parts of the Russian Federation, vodka was cheaper uh, than water. Uh, and they implemented other legislative um, levers like minimum unit pricing. Uh, and we see the results now. Um, while there is uh, indeed still instances of, of severe alcohol abuse in Russia, it's to a large extent being curtailed. So uh, what I'm basically saying, Stephen, is that in as much as every South African should be taking responsibility for themselves, uh, we are living in extremely stressful times. And we need to uh, uh, look at all sectors, uh, private industry, um, uh, civil society, as well as uh, government to try and, and get a handle on this. Um, so, I mean, you talk about the Russian example, and they did three different things, as you point out. They made uh, the price of alcohol more expensive. They reduced the opening hours of bottle stores. And the other thing they did, if memory serves, is that they actually made alcohol more expensive. Would you support making alcohol more expensive? You know, it's not a very popular view, but you look at it internationally. Uh, 2018 study by Deutsche Bank, for instance, uh, on the cost of living in cities. Johannesburg and Cape Town is among the top five uh, uh, in terms of cheapest beer in the world. Uh, when was the last time you bought a, a, a quart of beer? I'll give an example, Lion Lager Court. I'm not too sure if you've ever seen it, if you, if you maybe went to go and buy some alcohol. No comment, Nicolas, but I know, but I know the <laughs> bottle you're talking about. But the, the punchline that I'm getting to here is, is that costs less than a loaf of bread. And, and we seem to have normalized that in South African society. I've heard arguments from, of course, you know, communities that are absolutely ravaged by alcohol abuse saying, yeah, but, you know, we end up buying alcohol because uh, at least there's something to fill my stomach and bread is, is more expensive. Uh, and, and that is, you know, when you're dealing with the fact that, that beer uh, is uh, uh, cheaper than, than bread, well, then I think we do indeed have a problem and we need to try and look at ourselves uh, from an international standpoint. Elsewhere in the world, alcohol is not as freely available as it is in South Africa. It's also, we don't have such a, a illicit market elsewhere in the world as we do here um, uh, on South African soil. I mean, there will be alcohol producers themselves that have produced studies showing uh, that um, you know, illicit sales uh, emanate from massive wholesale of their of their products in licensed um, retail outlets, but then are, are sold in uh, villages and formal settlements and suburbs around the length and breadth of South Africa, where they're absolutely not controlled, where where things like underage drinking is allowed, where you're able to sell alcohol at all sorts of hours of the morning, and indeed also as well, uh, you don't have that uh, that legal obligation to ensure that you don't sell to someone that's already intoxicated. So yes, I do believe, I know it's not a, a very popular view, we have extremely cheap and readily available alcohol and we need to do something about it. Nicolas Bauer, thank you, Campaign Manager for Alcohol Harm Reduction at the DG Murray Trust. My thanks also to Vumile Mswelli, CEO of Hesed Consulting and Career Coach, and starting us off today, the psychiatrist, Dr. Laverne Mountenay. Thank you for being with us this morning here on SFM Sunrise. We will see you tomorrow. Look after yourself. Kathy is next from Tato Banyana Mdu. Stunza, myself, look after yourself. You're with SFM, leading the conversation, 9 o'clock.